there will be no car to buy in the US market that does not have a microphone and a camera inside the cabin. Hello and welcome to Terrifying Robot Dog. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we are here to talk about how technology is changing the way we interact with the world. This week, we have part one in a series on privacy, security, and encryption. Please stay tuned. Terrifying Robot Dog is next. See how I did that? I didn't say how many episodes we'd have. Yeah, you didn't. (laughs) That's a a good... um, Could go on forever. Yeah, part one in our one-part series. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I like to leave the door open. Yes. Possibility. Indecision is the key to flexibility. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) I like that. Uh, Folks, there's this thing going on. The FBI phone. The FBI phone. We don't don't normally do current events, news type stuff, but this warrants uh, a mention. No pun intended. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) See what you did there. Uh, Yeah, well... Yes, we I don't we can talk about it a little bit. We don't need to talk about it specifically because I think we can. Of course, it's interesting and it gives mm-hmm. you a nice concrete example to talk about, but but it's really just a concrete example of something that's just going to keep happening. Yeah. Which is the tightrope between the governments and the population are walking between privacy of uh, citizens and the Really, the requirement of government to um, safeguard, yeah, safeguard the general population. I mean, that's like one of the key responsibilities of a centralized government. Mm-hmm. And so, on the one hand, it's like law enforcement is kind of trying to do their thing, and so they're naturally going to be inclined to, uh, you know, break down any door they have to break down, regardless, because they're in that state of mind. Yeah, you you can't blame them and. In an actual emergency, you probably want them to do that. Right. I was thinking about this earlier, actually. So the the argument that always comes up, well, actually, before we get into this, like, in case you're living under a rock, the situation is that a a dead terrorist had an iPhone that was owned by, uh, he was a government employee and was owned by the government and... uh, the law enforcement officials assume that there's information on the phone that would be beneficial to the general well-being of the population. Yeah, aid so, in their investigation. So they they got a court order that instructed Apple to create a, a golden key or a backdoor into the iPhone that would allow brute force attack to get in through the password, you know, the lock screen. Yeah. And... Apple said no. Apple said no. And Tim Cook, like, clearly, Tim Cook, like, came out clearly with a strongly worded statement and said, no way are we doing this. Yeah, it sets a bad precedent. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, like, we we can't do this for, like, a million reasons, and it's, we're offended that you even asked type of thing, you know? Right. And and, and how dare you? Right. And so currently, they're, it's in, it's in front of the Judiciary Committee in Congress. They're trying to kind of probably prevent a supreme court thing mm-hmm. but regardless the overall the, the overall it, it just brings to the surface this tension between privacy and security which obviously are not the same thing that's why they're two different words <laughs> <laughs> yes 
Um, so where were we going before that was in, oh, all right. So before you were, what you were leading up to was if my, my personal daughter is kidnapped and I think that there is, uh, information on somebody's phone and you ask me at that moment, <laughs> if you think someone, uh, yeah. you know, Apple should, yes, I'm going to say, I, I, not only am I going to say Apple should do whatever they need to do to crack that phone, even if that means throwing this, the digital privacy of the entire world under the bus, I'm probably going to then get a gun, which I would never touch in my <laughs> life right. on a normal situation and go shoot someone. Right. You're going to, you're going to go ring Tim Cook's neck until he agrees. Yeah. Point being, I'm not really in the right state of mind to be yeah. making the decision for the entire planet. You yeah. know what I mean, I'm like the wrong guy to ask right at that moment. <laughs> So, you know, knock on wood. So, you know, so you can't throw, so, so dear listener, you can't throw the, but what if it was your daughter argument at me? Because of course, if it was your, but you're not the person who's deciding. That's not the right person to ask the decision. Yeah. Anyone's, anyone's going to have an emotional reaction in that situation. Yeah. And the, the thing about emotional reactions is they're, they're not always the best ideas for, Sometimes they're not the most well-considered behavioral choices. Like you're not making your best. And there's a reason it's called temporary insanity, you know? So that I, that's in, in my, it's just not an argument. So if you take that off the table and you say, okay, seriously, if we're talking about this rationally, like no one's in dire straits, what do we want? What would we want the situation to be? If someday it were us or a loved one in the situation, like what, what's the trade-off? Yeah. Find the balance between your privacy is protected mm-hmm. and yet law enforcement still has access to materials they need when they need it. Right. So, you know, I think, I think it is a good thing for the government. You know, there's a reason why we have a standing army, you know, it, mm-hmm. like that's probably a good thing. You know, I, I, I'm glad we have one. <laughs> frankly may may disagree with the way we use it at times but i'm glad it's there exactly yeah totally agree so where does it where does it break down for something like let's just talk about smartphones okay probably in, in future episodes we'll get into things like the connected home and the nest thermostat and an xbox that has a microphone on it like all of these other things because i feel like the smartphone is the the entry it's the, yes, the yeah. first actual precedent. There's a lot of precedent for like wiretapping and uh, what's the, there's a name for the. Um, oh, I don't remember the name for it. Yeah. It's sort of like compel you, they, law enforcement officials can get a warrant that allows them to look in your house, but they can't compel you to provide like the combination for safe. They can't force mm-hmm. your neighbors to rat you out or spy on you. And there's, and and the wiretapping laws are, are a little bit different, but the sort of it's like basically under the search and seizure concept of stuff. And the reason why I don't care that I don't even know exactly what all that is is because I feel like it does not apply, because the scope and scale of what we're talking about now is not the same thing as a strong box in your basement. No, it's it's newer, it's new and different, and I just. There aren't good laws in place yet to deal with this. I mean, the FBI is trying to compel Apple to 
hand over this information based on a law written in like 1786. Yeah, it's an 18th century law. So that barely passes the sniff test. Yeah. But I would I would argue that that really it's it feels like a stretch to me to base this on anything that even happened in like the 80s or 90s of this of the well the past century like 1980 1970s 1980s like you could kind of make a case for for like wiretapping rules but the scale of this is so drastically different yeah all that stuff was analog all those laws were made in an analog era when somebody had to had come with their alligator clips and put them on a wire. <laughs> right. And it wasn't, it wasn't affecting a multinational company that sells products all over the globe. There's that. And in fact, it wasn't also accidentally picking up signals from virtually everyone. Right. right? You know, it's like you, it was a much more targeted thing where you were like, okay, let's, let's get a back door. Let's be listening on this person's conversations. You're not accidentally also storing, literally every phone call that's happening on the cellular network cellular networks in the United States. Yeah. You make a way to like get a backdoor into one person's like telephone conversation, landline phone conversation that doesn't also automatically give you a backdoor into everyone else's. Mm-hmm. But this does. So like mm-hmm. the, the new stuff does. So there's, there's a whole Snowden thing is kind of a different, it's a little bit of a different th- th- conversation, I think. But it's interesting in the sense that... The impact of this is potentially much larger. Right. Like, you're going to get blowback no matter what. So let, let's say you say, okay, everybody sits down and agrees, okay, the FBI should, or whoever, the law enforcement officials should have a backdoor into the iPhone. Okay. So that, that it, this sort of nobody but us mm-hmm. argument. Nobody but the FBI will have access to this. And then another Snowden comes along. And now everybody has, has the back door. <laughs> yeah, the back door ends up on WikiLeaks. Yeah, exactly. Or paste bin. Yeah. Or like, or, you know, as, as the argument goes, then the English government says to Apple, oh, look, uh, if you want to sell these iPhones in the UK, we'd like we to have that. We need a back door. We need that too. And oh, by the way, you can't tell anyone that we asked for it. Mm-hmm. And then that just that domino theory that just keeps happening country to yeah. country to country until it, it everybody, snowballs. yeah, until, until everybody, basically every government has it. So you have to ask yourself if, and uh, I honestly, I'm I'm not a I'm I'm a, an enemy of the slippery slope fallacy, but I don't I think this is this would obviously happen. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of the same way. I'm, I, but this actually is a legitimately slippery slope. Hmm. So let's say, so here's another, here's another argument that, that comes along. Let's say we did say, okay, FBI, you can have this. You can have access. Basically, and what we're talking about, we're talking about the FBI having access to remotely access anybody's phone. Yeah, data on the phone. So then you say, okay, who is at the FBI? How many, how many people work at the FBI? Is it 10,000 people? Can I trust... Yeah, like, okay, I can trust the FBI as an organization, but can I trust every single person at the FBI? What if my ex-wife works at the FBI? Can she <laughs> just remote into my phone? And then the question is, uh, well, further, you can say, well, contractors and, you, and your Edward Snowdens and et cetera. Like, you know, who, who's really there? Do they have contractors that they live in? What, like, what, what are they allowed to do? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, they have to pass security clearances and stuff to get in there in the first place, but that doesn't mean they're forever going to be on the up and up. Right. So, here, so the thing is, kind of like you know, the 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 U.S. Postal Service, there are severe repercussions for a mail carrier who opens my mail. Mm-hmm. What are the repercussions for my ex-wife who works at the FBI Open opening my iPhone. phone? Are are there any rules? Like, I'm pretty sure there aren't. Not, cur- not currently. Would, would we even know? Is this a secret court type of thing? Yeah, I mean, just, you have no way of knowing. Yeah, and f- you are prevented from knowing. So I would be a little bit more comfortable with it if it was a jailable offense for someone to gain access to my phone without a warrant or some sort of due process. I'd be a lot more comfortable with it because then people would think twice about doing it. Right. If there's gonna if there's gonna be a law in place that allows this to happen, then there needs to be checks and balances along with that to make sure that it's not abused either either intentionally or accidentally or hmm. what if you're in a business negotiation with somebody who happens to have a friend at the FBI or is married to someone at the FBI? What if you're in a what if you're in a fight or a dispute with your neighbor over your property lines? Yeah. What if you're trying to rent office space from somebody or and you know, and I have a friend at the FBI. I'm trying to rent office space from them, and I want to look and see how much all of the other uh, offices are getting quoted. Right now, my um, uh, my dad was a police dispatcher for 17 years, um, and he had he had access to the NCIC database, and there, like you said, there were serious repercussions for abusing that access. Hmm. Uh, so you'd need you'd need something like that. Yeah. I, that's that would make me feel a lot more comfortable. I don't like the idea, and I think if you look at the if you look at the trade off, like a terrorist attack and a mass shooting, for example, it's you know obviously it's horrible. Do I even have to say obviously. that? It's totally yeah. horrible. When you look at the the actual number of let's just say gun deaths, it's a fraction of a fraction of a percentage of deaths in the U S it's a fraction of a fraction of the gun deaths in the U S it has an outsized psychic impact because it's so heinous. And you know, it's, it's like, it's not like, you know, like 10,000 times more people die of old age than in a mass shooting, but that's not really bothering the population in a, in a, it's not, it's not as upsetting. Yeah. It's like a plane crash. Like hardly anybody ever dies in a plane crash. But those last couple of seconds, <laughs> so bad, that <laughs> it makes everybody think twice. These these big events that come at us out of nowhere and they're just they're so horrible that you're emotionally you just can't get your brain around it. So it's it's so much more shocking than you know oh twenty thousand people died of old age today. Right. So hence the name, right? Terrorism. Mm-hmm. The whole point. The whole purpose is to instill fear. Exactly. The whole point is to get you to freak out and do something stupid. I feel like there is a balance to be struck, but if terrorism is part of the argument, I'm I'm not listening <laughs> because it's like that's not that's totally irrational. Like it's working. Okay, great. Terrorism's working. Yeah, yeah it's your your motivations there are are driven driven by that fear. Mm. So if you really look at the, at the, uh, the, uh, it's the size of the thing you're defending against. So in other words, the, the defense drastically outweighs the threat. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, that's probably blasphemy, but 
I feel like the potential for something like a backdoor into an iPhone to be abused and exploited um, far outweighs, like you said, in, at least in scale, mm. the threat that they're trying to protect, protect against by saying, oh, we need this backdoor. Yeah, like the, the protection should reflect the risk in some way. Mm-hmm. Really should be, like, we don't, like, we don't all walk around wearing helmets, but you, <laughs> right. you, you might bang your head. You should probably be wearing a helmet all the time. But why don't you? Because it's ridiculous. It would yeah, be annoying and, it, and itchy and uncomfortable and it would look silly. I mean, if anyone should walk around wearing a helmet all the time, it's clearly me. It should be you. I mean, I wasn't going to say it. It really should be me. <laughs> I mean, my my arch enemy is the door jam. <laughs> right? But I, I don't. <laughs> no, but you don't because it's overkill. Yeah. It's I, I wear glasses, safety glasses, because I have one eye. Mm. <laughs> That's about the extent of the extra precautions that I take. <laughs> right. It's overkill. And this, this iPhone thing strikes me as overkill. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it is, I mean, you know, it's easy to say we're on the cusp of a new wave, a post-mobile wave of Internet of Things and smart homes and connected devices. But it's going to be tough in the next couple of years. Mark my words, you crazy kids. In the next couple of years, I defy you to go out and buy a new car that doesn't have a microphone and a camera inside of it. Yeah. And GPS. You won't be able to buy one. No, you you won't be. Every car will have a bug with video. Yeah. Well, ours has a microphone, a video camera, GPS. I mean, we know they're there. Mm. I'm saying you won't have an option. There will be no car to buy in the U.S. market that does not have a microphone and a camera inside the cabin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't, we don't have the camera inside the cabin, but there's, there, you know, there's, there's the video camera. Um, there's a microphone so we can do like the, the, the voice controls for the radio and all that stuff. And I mean, it's all software driven. Hmm. If someone wanted to, I guess, hack our car, I mean, well, it's a Chrysler. I guess Chrysler had problems earlier last year with, with people hacking into their cars. <laughs> but, um, but anyway. Sloppy manufacturers one thing because then it's like, okay, people aren't going to buy that product anymore because the word gets out and eventually it comes, turns around and bites the manufacturer mm-hmm. and then it will become a thing and the market forces kind of solve that problem. Yeah. But when law enforcement can just blanket say, okay, uh, since we got a backdoor into the iPhone, we really need a backdoor into this nanny cam. Yeah. Yeah. And part of the problem is that, and I guess this has been happening for a while, the technology is evolving so much faster than the laws are that Mm. when something like this does happen, then the government is, they're scrambling to try and keep up. And I feel like that leads to decisions that aren't the most grounded in in logic and, and, and rational thought. Right. I mean, my my optimism for that has always been that the technology will be so far ahead of the of the government that who cares because they'll be so far behind that it won't matter. But right. I'm starting to think that if they do, if they do, there there's there are enough sort of single points of failure mm-hmm. that they could go after three companies and get a billion people under surveillance. You, yeah, you get, they could go after. You had Apple, Google, and Facebook. Yeah. And, you know, and if you... And if you want to be extra thorough, Amazon. Right. I was going to... Yeah. I was thinking that, too. It's like, if you if you get those guys or Alibaba, you know, we're just talking U.S., mm-hmm. though. If you do that, 
at that level. Yeah. And well, it's interesting. You said we're just talking U.S., but we're not really. I mean, if you have that back door to, let's, let's say, your Facebook account or your cell phone or whatever, then in the if you if you create that in the name of providing additional security for the U.S. government, at the same time, you're opening it up as a vulnerability to every other government in the world. Mm. Right. Because information is incredibly valuable. I suppose mm. everyone knows that. And it's it's very situational. Like there's information that maybe I have that is of interest to my ex-wife if we're in a court proceeding uh, or or whatever. You know, like I said before, you're in a dispute with your neighbor over where your property line really is. And you yeah. would just love to have the emails between me and my lawyer to peruse. Right. And all it takes is is one one person who may have always been this super well-meaning good guy who has suddenly found himself down on his luck and the bank's about to foreclose on his house and his kids are going to go hungry. Mm. And wait, you're going to give me 10 grand to just do a search on the FBI database for your neighbor's phone? What's his phone number? Right. <laughs> you know, so... You want pictures with that. <laughs> yeah, you want fries with that. So, I don't know. It's It's like... I don't want to just be like knee-jerk, this is a bad idea, but it sure seems like a really bad idea. And and interestingly, and we were just looking, watching a video that we'll link to in the show notes that talks about a lot of this, but interestingly, former heads of the CIA and the FBI have since changed their position about encryption and have said that, no, 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 it's actually better if there are no back <laughs> yeah, doors. We, we don't need to be poking into this. Yeah, because all of a sudden yeah. they're like, oh, wait a second, we have secrets too. And if mm-hmm. all the encryption has back doors, then we don't have secrets anymore if we want to communicate over digital means, which, of course, we do. Mm-hmm. So it becomes this kind of, you know, like, whoops, we we broke any hope of secrecy. So if, if it's like if you want to if you want to play cloak and dagger, you probably should be a fan of this kind of thing. Right. You know? Mm. One last thing before we, okay. Before we break for this episode, which is the, I don't have anything to hide argument, Mm -hmm. which drives me nuts. Yes. I know this one has been, been bugging you for a while now. This drives me nuts because (sighs) privacy is not having, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, Cory Doctorow says this all the time. He's like, everybody knows how your parents made you, but no one really wants to watch it. <laughs> right, not having secrets and not having anything to hide are two completely different things. <laughs> yeah, or just not, just like having right. private business. Like, it, it's like, I'm not doing, you know, so, yes, you're not doing anything wrong, but do you ever swear? And do you make sure you don't swear in front of little kids? Or do you ever have a conversation with someone you're really close with that is based on context that's been established over the course of 30 years that mm-hmm. wouldn't make sense out of context and if shown out of context would be incredibly embarrassing? It's not, it's not a question of like, oh, I'm not breaking any laws or whatever. It's about the ability to have a private conversation with a particular person or a particular group of people right. and then not... not fear that will be taken out of context by being splashed across the front of the New York times without your permission. Because I guarantee you that anybody listening to this has, you know, is more off color 
with their friends after work than they are with their clients during the day. And they might say, they might say something that is funny to their friends that they would prefer not to repeat in, you know, call it polite company, call it business context, whatever. People are not the same all the time. You are not the same person all the time. You play different roles at different times and taken out of context. It can be very embarrassing, perhaps damaging. Right. I might complain to my husband about something that frustrated me at work. And when really it, it's really, it's no big deal, but it's just, eh, it's a little thing that frustrated me today. So I'm, I'm, I'm telling you about it. But if that got back to work, it would be taken out of context. And, and it's just when really it was nothing. Yeah. Like imagine, imagine venting about your kid's teacher at school mm-hmm. and you just, you just to, to your spouse and you're just, you're just venting and maybe you're, you're on a roll. <laughs> right and you just go right. for it and it's kind of funny and you both have a chuckle over it yeah now, it's you, very cathartic <laughs> yeah exactly and then you take away all the chuckles and you take away the fact that it was said in private to your spouse who knew implicitly that you were not going to do anything about it and you hand that conversation to the teacher and you hand it to the teacher in, in a typed form oh look what uh look what uh cooper's mom said about you it's completely out of context cold mm-hmm. that's not going to be taken well is that does that mean that Cooper's mom has something to hide? No. No, it means she had a frustrating moment and was venting to her spouse. Exactly. <laughs> right. And and of course that leads straight into like the celebrity the, the celebrities with naked pictures on their phone. Or even not celebrities. <laughs> so here's a quick story. Well, this will be this is a great story. I don't think I told this to you yet. Okay. Uh, so we we can maybe wrap on this one. This is horrifying. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm you've piqued my curiosity. Okay. So teacher at school, female teacher at school, leaves her phone on her desk and goes out. She has to like do hall monitor duty or something. Mm -hmm. So she goes out and one of the students, it's a high school. One of the students goes up and grabs her phone. Phone's not locked. She starts going through her pictures and finds like naked pictures of her on the phone. Oh, immediately starts texting them to the other kids in the school. Like, like right that second teacher gets fired for contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Mm. kid is not reprimanded that's that's all kinds of wrong but it is so wrong i mean it was a dumb move on the teacher's part to not have a lock on the phone so and then well the 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 base argument is well if you don't want naked pictures of you getting out don't take naked pictures of yourself which is like the argument of if you don't want your tv stolen don't buy a tv don't buy a tv yeah it's not her fault even the lock on this. Yes, I would probably have put a lock on there just so my kids wouldn't see it and permanently be scarred. <laughs> I'm not saying she's wrong to not have a lock on there. I'm just saying in the context, it's kind of a dumb thing to do. <laughs> I think anybody who doesn't have a lock on their phone is an idiot. Also, there, I will stand by that statement to my to my death. Yeah. You are bonkers if you don't have a lock on your phone. You're crazy. Yeah, it's like not having a password on your Amazon account. You're just crazy. Like, yes, no one should steal your stuff. But if you don't have a lock on your phone, you are nuts. Right. So, okay. That said. I love the fingerprint scanner. It's great. Yeah, it's really good. I'd... Even the kids, like, because, like, Cooper already knows my, my lock screen code for mm-hmm. Amazon, yeah, for, for my Android phone. He's like, I was like, oh, let me unlock that for you. He's like, no, I know it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you do? <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So... The, so the thing with the the naked pictures thing is that a, a naked pictures of 
pick someone, Charlize Theron, uh, I don't know, she's probably old. Who's, you know, she, she, I, and I only say that because I'm old and I know who she is. Um, who's who's like a new starlet? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I, know, I think I think Jennifer Lawrence was one of the people that oh, had yeah. leaked a while back. Right, right, right. So she's like a current Oscar winner, Oscar nominee. Big role model for a lot of young girls, actually. For Yeah. Yeah, right. Hunger Games, right. So how much do you think you could get paid for, let's just say, private selfies from her phone? A lot. So what that what does that do? That creates a financial incentive to look for that back door that the FBI wants. No pun intended. <laughs> uh, I think that's the title for this episode. <laughs> I just had three inappropriate things cross my mind that I won't say. Yeah. Because people might be listening. Nah, they're not. Who are we kidding? <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, if you if you break encryption, even if only only these guys are going to use it and nobody else can do it, it ends up having all these wild unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. And if it turns out that, like, let's say Apple l- loses this and they're forced to put this uh, backdoor on the phone, everybody's going to know it. Everybody's going to know it. And yeah, then, because it's been so publicized. Right. And then J-Lo. Oh, how did I, how did I not think of Kim Kardashian? Like <laughs> J-Lo, Kim Kardashian, Kanye West. It is every time they get you, you see them in a picture with an iPhone, and you just know that like seven hundred Russian hackers are going to be looking for that, <laughs> and it's like they're going to find it. And so there's sort of two things going on there. One is like that is private, and just because I, it's like just because this teacher in the school took these private pictures for her husband, it doesn't make them public. Like I don't, I don't even Does see it, the disconnect there. Like it's obviously private. Yeah, obviously private. And it's it doesn't, not her doesn't fault. make it public. It doesn't make her a bad <laughs> why, person. It why doesn't. Was she yeah. Get fired for it. It doesn't even make sense. Right. I mean, the student should be the one that was punished. Right. Like the student severely. Should, severely, the student should face criminal charges for distributing her pictures. I wonder what the penalty is for even accessing a phone that's not yours. It should be pretty high, in my opinion. That should be that should be a very serious offense. That's like breaking and entering as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, I agree. That's a good cliffhanger. Yeah, food for thought. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, folks, that's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us next week for Terrifying Robot Dog. Bye. Bye. Would you like to support Terrifying Robot Dog? Just think of two friends who would dig the show and send them to terrifyingrobotdog.com for links to iTunes, Facebook, and RSS feeds, if you know what that is. If you don't have two friends, you can still help us out by leaving a nice review in iTunes. Thanks. <laughs>